Season 1, Episode 5. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Comfy Boys Podcast. I'm Holden. I'm Sergio. Today we got uh, Chad Pollock. He's a longtime friend, owner, and head distiller at Backwards Distillery. Chad, how you doing? Good, yourself? Well, it's Sunday. Yeah. Which means I have to go back to work tomorrow, so that sucks. Because oh, you're an essential employee? <laughs> yeah. I guess, man. People need them oil changes. <laughs> yeah. I've been on quarantine for like three weeks. Great. <laughs> Probably well, getting all that rest that you needed. It was funny when you uh, yeah. when you said it yesterday when you were like, oh, yeah, I just found out that my normal life is pretty much the same as quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not changed at all. It's just been better. Nice. Love it. Yeah. I can do this forever. So uh, I guess we'll start off and kind of tell us how backwards got started, which is actually a great story. I know it, but uh, for I the, don't. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I want to clear some stuff up from the last episode, uh, <laughs> two ago. Um, I'm not a weirdo. I don't like talking to people. No. <laughs> I'm an introvert. I like to sit at home and read and think. Yeah. So, anyways, um, how backwards got started, um, I guess we go back to, at this point, 2012, which sounds gross, coming out of my mouth. Um, oh, yeah. So... 2012, yeah, right. Um, I had just graduated from WyoTech for street rod custom fabrication, planning on moving to Texas to build hot rods with some friends. Um, but I was also an avid absinthe collector, um, with which if you guys don't know what absinthe is, it's a uh, anise flavored spirit that was illegal for about 105 years. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to consider myself a bit of a, a rebel and an outlaw. So. And why was it yeah. illegal? Why did they why did they make absinthe illegal? Um, they made it illegal because um, absinthe kind of – no, it didn't. It was all um, based on a – w- I would call it a smear campaign from the wine industry in France. Um, oh. Basically what happened at the same time absinthe became popular is there was a fungus that killed all the grapes. So wine became super rare and expensive, so everybody started drinking absinthe. And then when wine came back, nobody wanted it because absinthe is way better than wine. Um, and so then the, the wine industry, which had a lot of power, launched a giant smear campaign. Um, that's where all the myths and lores of uh, absent killing people or making them hallucinate came gotcha. from. Um, so it's actually just alcohol. Um, it gets you drunk, but not any more than anything else. So it was kind of a uh, false science uh, status quo kind of thing that was keeping it illegal. Um, so people talk about like absence in the Czech Republic and the green fairy and all this kind of stuff. And it's all a bunch of bullshit. Um, <laughs> gotcha. so it's kind of one of those things that kind of makes you wish because, it wasn't bullshit though. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, it. It is a good drunk. It's very strong. It's still like uh, 72% is what mine's going to be. Um, oh, and I was so actually very, just going to ask you about that was how, how was your adventures into, Making oh, I was supposed coming. to make that like last month, but something happened. I guess there's like a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something you might have heard of. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of that before. But anyways, yeah, so I was an absence collector. So that's kind of what got me into distillation in general. Um, I had done a ton of research and studying of absence history and manufacturing, that kind of stuff. Never was really like that interested in making it myself. Um but I kind of knew like the process and I'd seen some like photos, not photos, but like, I guess illustrations 
of the process. Uh-huh. Uh, so what happened was I had just graduated from Wildtech. Um, we went to a bar in Boulder, Colorado that claimed to have the most absinthe in North America, um, which at this time I had like 16 bottles. Um, Dang, of what's, what's that place called? The Absinthe House. Oh, nice. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. It's in the name. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, they, they had six bottles. I had all six and then 10 others that I had acquired. Um, so I got kind of pissed because we took a whole day of our vacation to go to this place. Yeah. Um, and uh, that being said, I, I do set my standard pretty high because I've been to a bar in Brussels that has like 400 absinthe. Oh, wow. So it's kind of a, a big gap there. That's right. like the old um, Chicago beer tour of absinthe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you, can't, you can't go through that whole beer tour. You'd die. Oh, yeah. Um, so what, what happened basically is after that experience, then I was bitching like I normally do and uh, <laughs> over beers. And my mom just said, why don't you make it yourself? Like if you want absinthe if you want new varieties like why don't you just make it yourself and i think she was probably thinking like a bottle of vodka and herbs <laughs> yeah um, but like infusing something in my mind i had you know these beautiful drawings of these distilleries that were happening during the absinthe boom which to put it in perspective also absinthe was the most consumed spirit ever um even more so than like vodka right now is it was the most popular spirit in the world um even more than vodka so i didn't uh, these absinthe yeah, were big i mean they were huge um, one of the biggest companies uh, that owns a lot of the big brands of spirits is actually based on an absinthe company. That's how much money they were making. So it was huge. Uh, so I kind of had this romanticized vision of these distilleries and all this kind of stuff. And um, so making it myself was more like, I want to make it myself from start to finish. And right. Spend six years developing a recipe and that kind of stuff. Um, so that conversation happened October 2012. And January 2013, we bought a building. I quit my job, and we bought all of our equipment. So, did you ever move down to Texas? Think or? about it very well. No, no. I uh, that was a thought for about three weeks before. Okay, um, yeah, I just didn't know where where you were in that yep. timeline. It was kind of like happening at the same time, um, and then this kind of became uh, more of an important vision. Right. Um, and I don't even work on cars anymore, and I kind of like it because yeah. I have to say I love working on cars. I love cars. I just don't like working on other people's cars. Right. I think that's uh, that's most people, <laughs> even yeah. our even our techs <laughs> yeah. get over it sometimes. And it's still funny because I still get people asking me to fix their car. Like I don't know how to fix a car. I paint and I weld. Like I can make it pretty. I can do some custom body work, but I can't fix your wiring harness. I don't want to do that either. <laughs> right. That that just um, seems like a pain. All. Yeah. No. Um, so yeah, that um, was kind of what started the whole company. All of us were kind of in a I would say a bit of a transition period at the time. Yeah. Uh, my dad worked at a company for 29 years. They were having some ownership uh, adjustment. And so he wanted out. Uh, my mom was a preschool, first grade kindergarten teacher for nine years. And then my sister was a uh, K through five music teacher. Um, and I think all of us were a little bit looking for something. Um, my parents were definitely after the uh, 2008 financial crisis looking for a, way for us to control our own destiny yeah it's a great way to think of it but yeah well now that we are kind of getting into those times again and they're saying that it's supposed to be like the great it's worse than the great depression something happening that you hear about yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, but i was just what's your guys's implemented plan for that or dude we are barely treading water at this point like i have no idea what it's going to be because 
essentially we shut down like chad said on the other podcast um preemptively because mm-hmm. we could see the writing on the wall and also my my sister is um very connected to the governor so she kind of knew what the plan was going to be yeah mm-hmm. which nobody believes me when i keep saying like this is going to happen they're like well, where'd you hear that from i was like, <laughs> I was like yeah i got I sources, sources. <laughs> yeah. straight from the camel's um, mouth yeah the guy that's gonna do it all <laughs> right um yeah, so yeah, what do you know we preemptively did that and then pretty much since then we've been um i wouldn't say ordered but been contracted for, from the government to make hand sanitizer how different um, is the so process? We pretty much have not even recovered or, or know what the plan is because we may go out of business because of this. Dang. Um, we're going to try not to our best. Um, but uh, this is going to, if things don't, especially if the, uh, the government doesn't uh, let us do things to make money, we're going to all go out of business. But, yeah, um, so you hear that? Everybody brand. needs to go to the liquor stores and buy out all the backwards. Yeah. backwards. Yeah. yeah, because we're trying at this point. Everything we do now is all going to first responders, um, the hospitals, the police departments, the fire departments. We're trying to get enough to make um, it available to the public. But um, if you want your first responders to have hand sanitizer, um, go buy bottles of vodka or gin, because right now nobody's able to come to our um, tasting room. Yeah. Um, which was our main source of revenue. And really nobody's thinking that much about buying local product right now. They're all kind of, uh, I'm, I'm sure not thinking about buying the $30 bottle of vodka. Instead, they're buying the big one. Right. So, but it does actually feed into what we're doing here and keeps us, uh, I guess, able to continue to manufacture hand sanitizer. Um, so uh, that's pretty much scenario and we actually don't know i mean this is going to have trickle down effects for years because we haven't been able to put down any whiskey um mm-hmm. which i think we've probably put out about thirty thousand dollars worth of liquor to hand sanitizer uh donation wise so yeah that's uh, a lot. it's been a bit of a and i hope i mean we're not trying to like that's why we're not selling it i actually am kind of grossed out by some distilleries right now that are profiteering mm-hmm. at this moment um but we haven't taken any uh, reimbursement for Ron ingredients um so we're hoping that uh if things start to get somewhat uh organized that we will just be the vessel of which to build the hand sanitizer production as opposed to um letting it suck us dry yeah right. well what's the difference in process save some people's lives then um we're not taking any profit and even if we sell it it no, won't not, probably be for profit, not profit. I, I, I said the process so like oh compared profit. to yeah. making um, when you're making drinkable things to just things to wash, you know, put on your hands. So same essential process of making the ethyl alcohol, which is the main ingredient, but then we add hydrogen peroxide um, Mm. and glycerin. Um, So the hydrogen peroxide sterilizes the water we add, make sure there's no cysts or anything growing in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the glycerin just keeps it from drying out your hands, Um, which I've actually been happy. This stuff is actually pretty good. Um, So the uh, hospital actually praised us for, how good it was because it didn't dry out their hands. But um, yeah, we're also trying at this point to be as supportive of local ag as we can. So we're still getting local corn, um, local beet sugar, and <laughs> trying to support those industries me, as well. Um, so if we have to do it, we got to kind of support Wyoming while we uh, go through the process. Which means Wyoming kind of has to together. support you so, guys as well. So. Right. Which people are. Um, we just did our first, uh, which was a complete clusterfuck, um, our first curbside cocktail oh, service. 
Dang, that's intense. I didn't um, even know that that was yeah. happening. Well, we had to like pretty much strong arm some uh, people to allow us to do that because um, we were being told we couldn't. All other liquor holders could, uh-huh. like mm. bars and restaurants and stuff could do that, but we can't. That's what they told us. So we're kind of like, well, I guess we might have to stop making hand sanitizer. Oh, yeah, I then. guess you don't want your fucking hand sanitizer then. They yeah. Shut up. But we weren't going to actually stop making it, but it was kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, throw us a bone. Yeah, um, scratch so we our back. We scratch Yeah. We were able to actually do like um, two different sized bottles of cocktails pre-mixed. People could take home. Um, but the, uh, I guess, demand was higher than we thought. Turns out people are like cooped up in their houses really wanting some booze. Yeah. So we thought we were going to have about 50. Um, I think we ended up having like 150. Nice. Or more. Um, but the phone, we only had one phone. Yeah. So like one person said, well, I've been calling for four hours and couldn't get a hold of you. We're like, well, we answered the phone every time we could. So That's dedication. Right. Yeah. And it kind of sucked because we really, like one of our biggest things that we focus on here and we're a bit obsessive about is customer service. Um, and so we really kind of hurts. Like I, I cried for about two hours last night because of the uh, poor service we provided to people. And we tried our best, but it wasn't good enough. So it's only um, going to get better gonna, though. Yeah. We're going to change some things. We kind of have a better plan this time because I think now we know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of, kind of cool though, because that does allow us not only to continue to provide what we do best. I mean, right. like the hand sanitizer is a good, uh, thing, but like, you know, we, we make cocktails. You guys, right. So what's um, going to so be the plan? Happened, what's going to be the plan um, for the so, next week? Yeah. Uh, the curbside time thing. we're doing pre-order, um, as, as opposed to make to order. So pre-order, everything will be a um, limited amount. Like we're going to only have this many. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of know what to expect and also like people know what to expect. So they're not trying to get something when it's already out. We'll kind of have a more, um, established method because also we want to make sure that all of us are um, not having too much contact with people. Mm-hmm. All of us are still providing um, good service, making sure people aren't having to hang around for 30 minutes, right? Um, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the plan is going to be a little bit better this time. It'll probably still suck. Um, we're all learning here. Right. Uh, so it's going to be, gonna be growing pains. It's new for everybody. Yeah. It's, moving target for sure. I really new. hope that we don't have to do this for too long. So, right. You know, I would like to reopen the tasting room and have people down there actually having cocktails because I also do have nine employees that are sitting at home waiting mm-hmm. to yeah. do something. And how can so. people like find out about that curbside? Like look at your Facebook or? Facebook is the best way. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram are kind of our things, but I think most of the info goes out on Facebook. Instagram's more what about the, Twitter. You know, pretty photos of me. Oh, we don't tweet. Yeah. Search seems to think Twitter game is like. I don't the know. Main, I, the main source. For me, I, I, I tweet a lot. Yeah. so <laughs> But no one doesn't else really does. doesn't work with our content style. Yeah. Um, based on photos being a primary driver of that. So, um, yeah. So, so, yeah, that's the best so, place. Facebook is the best place to find out what we're doing, um, get updates on things that we're trying to do. Um, we're doing a cocktail at home series. So, all of our bartenders take a turn making a cocktail that you can make at home and then posting um, it. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. That's that, awesome. That would be interesting. Yeah. So it's uh, kind of cool. And check those out. I mean, we've been getting about 2000 views each video, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool. I think people are interested in making cocktails at home. They're always, I mean, they're tough. Making cocktails at home is never quite as satisfying as 
making it or having it made for you. Sergio's um, pulling it up on our TV right now. Yeah. It's our, our best way to still connect to our customers, um, give our employees something to do while they're sitting at home. Um, and they've all been awesome. Um, we have a really cool team right now, which you can probably imagine I'm not very involved in. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, uh, don't interact with employees or anybody. So, who does your guys' like video editing and stuff? Who does it? Yeah. Those are all, I think, through Amber, but they might actually be so like most of our professional photography is done by um Tani, our employee. Um, she's a photographer, so she might be doing it. Um, but I think Amber and Mallory are handling all the video editing stuff. I think we're gonna have to uh get a hold of Tani and and get her to take some photos for us. <laughs> yeah. She's great. She kills it. Um like our whiskey photos she took were stunning. I yeah. had her do some headshots just in case when I go out to LA. Yeah, we're scrolling through. Didn't you shave your beard? Uh, yeah, it's weird. I haven't seen you since then, so you're really? definitely. Oh yeah, I haven't seen you without the beard yet. I have a butt He's gonna... a little bit. <laughs> nice. It's cool. probably gonna grow back in by the time he sees you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I've been. It was funny because all my employees are trying to grow face, facial hair as well. So I shaved it, and they're like. I'm surprised it hasn't grown back. I was like, I've, I've shaved three times since. Like, nice. Do you miss it at I'm all, or, or are you kind of over it because you don't have to care for it anymore? You know, I, I'm the uh, hipsterist of hipsters. So when everybody in my industry looks the same, I'm like, nah. <laughs> so I, don't That's, I could understand that go to a yeah. distilling conference with chad and like hey chad what's up i'm not chad i'm dan <laughs> <laughs> yeah where's chad and i literally had one of the better beards but it was annoying and when people try to grow a beard but they can't you did have a nice beard yeah. i never really my, my facial hair is pretty strong um which is weird because i got a little bit of indian in me so my dad can't grow a beard but i can <laughs> yeah I feel his pain. I've been working on mine yeah, for like no. eight years. Still looks the same. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it looks like Serge <laughs> shaves every day. I do. <laughs> every day. I, uh, I had that thing for seven years. I started growing it August 17th of 2012, the day I graduated from Wildtech. Oh, dang. Because we had to do shave checks every day. And if you didn't shave or you had stubble, you had to go dry shave with these crappy razors in the bathroom. Ooh, dang. Uh, what? And uh, unfortunately for me, I'd shave at about 6 a.m. I woke up. By the time it was 8, I already had stubble. What, are they running in Auschwitz over there? Or what? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I think it's you for know, like masks and stuff. You a bearded mechanic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the hell? I thought uh, it was part of the uniform. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, because mechanics are the number one customer service person. There's a reason why mechanics work in the back, because they don't like talking to people. Yeah. That's why I work in the back. Still doing the same thing. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, the beard. But it's uh, I, I don't know. I might be pretty. Emily liked it, so that's all that matters. <laughs> she liked it either <laughs> way. It didn't matter. Yeah. Um, I think I have a uh, strong jawline. <laughs> well, to rewind a little bit, so back to the the distilling parts. Um, yeah. I know that there was a period of time where you were going to a lot of classes and, and stuff like that, and traveling yeah. a lot to learn as much as you could. Kind of tell us about that experience. Yeah, so like, um, uh, uh, if you haven't figured out in the background of me, I'm not a chemist. Um, I actually had no freaking idea what we were going to be doing here. I wasn't a home brewer. I wasn't a distiller. I wasn't really anything as far as 
this goes, I actually studied physics in college, not chemistry, um, mm-hmm. which doesn't help. Uh, so we spent about a year and a half sending me around the country, um, kind of hodgepodging our education together because when we started, we were the 285th distillery in the U S okay. um, I think there's like 2000 something now. Uh, so we were, I wouldn't say we were like early, early, but we were kind of right at the inflection point. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a lot of formal education. I mean, you could go get a chemical engineering degree, but like most of the stuff was not like readily available. So I just did uh, kind of the old school education method, mm-hmm. um, a lot of books, a lot of uh, kind of apprenticeship kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So going to other distilleries, which also I would say coming from my previous job, the only other job I've had since I was 15 before this was uh, in the oil field industry, so oil and gas, um, which is a very cutthroat um, industry. Right. Filling and brewing and all that kind of stuff is a much cooler, like people want cool stuff to happen. And kind of the mentality is that like all ships rise with, uh, or all ships, whatever, with rising tides. Um, so people were very generous as far as uh, helping us with education, knowledge, um, you could call up a distillery and be like, hey, can I come hang out for a, a bit? And they would talk to you for three hours and just like kind of, I think all of us also like to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty easy to get um, information and education. Um, and then about a year into the whole thing, a um, company down in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, opened an education center for craft distilleries. So they built a distillery essentially just to teach people how to distill. Nice. Um, so they do like, Specific classes, they'll bring in like a guy that does rum for Appleton Estate or some of the big companies. Um, like Jack I learned Daniels. from the guy that does Jack Daniels. Yeah. Um, so we'll bring those guys in. Um, they'll bring in some other experts. So I've gone to, I think, about every single class that they have um, at this point. That's um, cool. Louisville was my home away from home for uh, about a year and a half. I was uh, enough of a regular at a bar that they knew my name and my order. <laughs> nice. So um, hey, Chad. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Chad, what's up? Um, so it was also funny because that bar we did, uh, I was the only person in there for St. Patty's Day because it was a little craft cocktail bar and they made chartreuse jello shots. So I got to have like all of them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Yeah. How many times um, did you stumble so yeah. out of there? <laughs> hey, right. It was only a little bit away from my hotel. So. Yeah. <laughs> I could still talk and walk. I <laughs> That's cool. And Louisville, I think, is pretty close to sea level. So. Oh, um, nice. I don't know, for sure. Even better. Don't quote me on that. Um, so anyways, uh, the education thing has been, um, we always say here at Backwards, we have three pillars of our business. That's quality ingredients, quality education, quality equipment. Um, mm-hmm. We focus a lot on learning because it's really easy to make booze. And it's really hard to make good booze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you have to learn a lot. And I actually still am doing a lot of education. I was supposed to go to... Uh, Portland um, two weeks ago. Um, luckily, that was canceled. And uh, last year, at this point, I think it was in the summer of 2019, I got to do a really, really cool experience um, in Lexington, Kentucky on gin, which was kind of weird to do gin in Kentucky. But they brought in a guy um, from London who they call the godfather of gin. He's opened 30, like six distilleries there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been the mastermind behind their uh, recipes and everything else. And he's kind of transformed our entire gin program here, which is kind of my favorite thing to make. 
Nice. Um, so we've not only bought new equipment, but changed our recipe development and also, I think, refined our process quite a bit just from him. And luckily, I was charismatic enough to be friendly, and he hung out with me the entire time. So we got to have <laughs> the back room conversations and yeah. actually learn the good stuff. Nice. Because um, we'd go have beers every night, I think. You got actually, into the secret archives, right? <laughs> yeah, we would. After a few uh, cocktails with him, he'd start to loosen up the uh, the secret secret sauce. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a good burger so sauce. Kind of <laughs> yeah. it, was actually, it was actually pretty pretty good to uh, to uh, get to be friendly with him, and we still talk and hope to see him again and learn more. Um, but our I'm actually sipping on strongman Navy Strength gin right now. This just won a silver um, at our last competition, but no gold golds were awarded, and out of mm-hmm. like a few hundred gins, only six silvers were. Yeah, how, um, so. how many uh, awards have you guys won for, like, your vodka, rum? Have you entered your whiskey? We have, um, the, we have the not Frank entered whiskey yet, but we have – so I really only count, like, the good ones. So we have five golds for the vodka. We have a best of category and a gold and a silver for the gin. Um, we have a few silvers for the uh, contortionist gin and a few silvers for the rum. Um think we're the most awarded Wyoming distillery. I don't know. We haven't entered like a ton because at some point, like also, you know, you can't get that much praise. Like I'm not Michael Phelps here. I don't be <laughs> right. getting too many gold medals, but no, we, uh, we like to do it some, some of the time just to see where we're at. Um, we get some good feedback from some of these competitions. Uh-huh. Spirits tastings are weird though, too. They're so subjective. Um, yeah. To like people only who are so much value something. you can put. And also, like, you know, we'll enter the same spirit and it'll get a bronze and a gold at different competitions. Like, yeah. So it kind of depends on the panel and all this kind of stuff. But uh, we did another cycle of awards this year. Um, and that was kind of our best one with the gin. The nice thing about this whole industry, kind of grown up around us. Um, so the spirits awards process has kind of refined itself um, at first. They were kind of a, it was kind of like a participation award. Like if you entered something in, you got something. Yeah. Um, which was annoying. <laughs> like you shouldn't I, do that. <laughs> right. If you yeah. didn't fucking win, you shouldn't win. <laughs> yeah. I'm very competitive. So it's like giving I, kids awards for fucking participation. Medals, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of pissed. That's uh, but th- so it's getting nice. Like if you're actually not even awarding a single gold medal, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Like you're getting stringent enough and like maybe actually, because what was happening is you had brands just entering. I mean, there was one company that was spending like $20,000 a year just entering into awards. Mm-hmm. So they could say that they had all these awards, oh. but the awards really didn't mean much right. at the time. So now there's a that few that actually like mean something. That wouldn't happen um, to be uh, one of your favorite vodkas of all time, would it? The, fuck. the companies. No. <laughs> rhymes with, rhymes uh, no, with Mitos. <laughs> no, that would be uh, Grand Teton was the put them on blast. There you um, go. That was something that entered into everything and then said they were the most awarded American vodka. Dang, shots fired. Yeah, shots fired. <laughs> I hope they're listening. Yeah. Fight me. Fight me. <laughs> you know where I'm oh, at. I'll be at the, the distillery. Yoked. Oh, that's funny. Uh, uh, yeah. So, anyways, yeah, no, we don't need to put them on blast. But you know, <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> yeah, it's going out. Uh, kind of talk about what what the process was into deciding what equipment you were buying. 
Um, so when I said, you know, quality equipment, um, one of the first things we noticed um, was there was a vast difference in craft spirits. So like some craft spirits were not very good. I mean, they were weird. They were funky. They were kind of gross. And like, I guess. Is that due to way, ingredients or mo- more equipment? Oh, equipment can be a huge. A little that's bit what old, I'm asking. But mostly equipment and process. Like okay. the way that, and also education, like the way they handled things. You can make pretty good spirits out of crappy materials. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can manage. But if you have bad equipment and bad skills, like you can't, can't do anything with it. Potters. Um, so <laughs> the, uh, I mean, it's kind of like you know, if you were a chef, you could probably make a good meal out of some processed food. Simple um, product. But if you yeah. didn't have a stove, or you didn't know how to cook, like it doesn't matter how good the ingredients are, I could mess up a black truffle dish all day right. long if I didn't know how to cook. Yeah. Um, so. We there was like this big discrepancy in quality, and one of the biggest. Um, I, I think it's going to end up being one of the biggest uh, hindrances of the industry, and I'm sure you guys, you guys are brewing, brewing um, have seen that in craft beer. Like some sucks, right? Some amazing, mm-hmm. but the big guys always make consistent product. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the same thing we kind of hit here. Um, so as we were doing this, we found that like there were a handful of companies that we thought were making exceptional products that actually beat the big guys, which I'm all for like small producers, but like literally if you're not making something better than the big guys, why would I buy your stuff? Mm -hmm. Um, Except for novelty. Uh, So our goal was always to make stuff that was better than the the mass market product. Um, So we found that there was a few companies that were making really good stuff. And then we looked at their facilities, looked at their equipment and they were all using basically the same stills. Um, so I liken the still to a, like a musical instrument. Uh, you can be a very talented musician and play on a crappy instrument and still make something sound okay. Um, but if you're playing on something really good, you're going to make it sound magnificent. So for us, that was kind of one of the first things we noticed was that these quality distilleries that were making really good stuff were using German equipment. Um, there are two manufacturers in Germany that make really, really good stills. One is called Carl. One is called Kota. Um, we got the Kota stills because I thought they were prettier. Mm-hmm. Um, and they a, are. They're gorgeous. Shallow, it's on website, too. aesthetic person. Yeah. Um, so they are very, very aesthetically put together. Um, Kota was actually the lead engineer for Carl for 35 years or whatever. Um, but Germany had this cool thing that didn't happen called Prohibition. So they had basically been making stills since then mm-hmm. um, and they focused mostly on making like very small like farmhouse stills like something you'd have in your shed that you make your brandy from or your um you know, black forest is kind of notorious for making a bunch of different liqueurs um so it was kind of like a more artisanal uh equipment um and then america got a hold of it and decided to wear big gigantic shiny things yeah um, right. and so their craft craftsmanship of their stills are far better but also their technology is far better than what we get um pretty much anywhere else and so the problem we're having right now too is um it, as you guys talked about doing this is expensive mm-hmm. like buying equipment is expensive the uh, the still i always people always for some reason ask how much it costs right. um, i always say sports car and people <laughs> think a corvette's a sports car i clearly have a different idea of what a sports right. car is. Uh, like a like lambo a yeah. Car. yeah yeah because um, it Bugatti. was about three hundred thousand dollars to get the still. Dang. Um, 
it was uh, it's made out of copper, precious, precious, semi precious metal. Mm-hmm. Um, but this thing will last me my lifetime, and it's an important. You can't have uh, the operation without it. Right. But what happened is most people can't really do that, put that money up um, to get a still like that. Um, so they, <laughs> China took the opportunity to uh, capitalize on that. So now there's a bunch of really shitty stills being produced because the concept isn't like that difficult to make something that does this. Uh-huh. Um, but the difference in quality of what you get at the end is huge. Um, the biggest thing with us is the copper. Um, copper contact directly correlates to the quality of the spirit because copper is a catalytic metal that absorbs sulfur um, out of the distillate. Um, if you don't have copper, you have a really rough, nasty, harsh spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more copper you have, the better. So most of these Chinese stills are either um, acrylic, glass, or uh, stainless steel. Oh. Um, and they can run you about 30 grand. So we're talking a Damn. much cheaper um, piece of equipment, but the quality is not there. It'd be interesting to know which companies are using those cheaper stills. You can taste it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, yeah, you can taste it. Also, if a company has no photos of their distillery, they're embarrassed of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what, yeah. We, we, we have you up on the group. screen right now. We're looking at, at yeah. the equipment. Obviously, I've seen it in person about a million times. But yeah, I and forget. Also, I, I I hate to be sassy right now, but things are a little stressful, so I'm not uh, holding any punches really. Oh no worries, <laughs> yeah, man, let it all out. Yeah. That's what it's for. It's the comfy boys. Yeah. The comfy, yeah. comfy space. The comfy boys. I'm getting comfy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> High blood pressure. <laughs> yeah. For another gin, you'll be all right. Yeah. So so the copper, more. the all That's copper all still that you have on the far left at the still, yeah. uh, at the distillery. So the other one's all copper too. The uh, the stainless is all extra. Outside, yeah. Oh, okay. But the yeah. one that's on the far the left, um, I know that you guys had bought that way after your original equipment what explain what that smaller one is so the small one is specifically for gin and eventually absinthe but it's all for anything that has botanicals because just like anything i mean you can taint those stills very easily okay like if you have something bad happen it's going to be really hard to get out of the still or something like juniper oil or anise oil those are going to uh taint the big still so we Mm -hmm. don't want our vodka to taste like anise or juniper we got the little still to do gin, also gin production. Unfortunately, America hasn't caught up to the civilized world yet with gin. So we only have about 3% of the market share with gin. Um, so we don't have to make that much. Um, whereas vodka, whiskey, we have to make a lot more. Uh, so the, uh, I think I'm going to do a gin and tonic this time, actually. Nice. g and talking about gin make me thirsty <laughs> yeah how much do you guys um, usually produce so, in in one batch i guess so one batch of the big still is uh 538 gallons um we get about a, a single whiskey barrel full of spirit cool um whiskey barrels are 53 gallons so it worked out perfectly which chad did not plan when he uh set up the system <laughs> yeah. but it ended up being single distillation makes one single barrel that's cool. Um, so, yeah. And then we are also scaled about four times bigger than we need to be, um, which is nice because it means I have time to isolate, you know, yeah. stay at home for 
days on end, not talking to anybody. Well, <laughs> yeah, um, and you can control that from like an iPad and stuff. Can you do that from home, or is it just? Uh, the I still? used to be able to, but it turns out now I can't because um, our tech guy is in Germany, and we haven't fixed it yet. That so, son of a bitch. <laughs> All right. Our automation system for it would allow me to do that from home, but you really can't. I mean, I can tell like temperatures and stuff, but I couldn't tell like when to make cuts. I have to be here for that. Yeah. Um, but we're doing one actually today. I think it's going to be about over, but we did an overnight distillation last night, um, making 190 proof for the hand sanitizer. We're going to do another one, um, I think next week. Luckily, Wyoming Whiskey decided to do some uh, low wines for us, so we only have to do a single pass. Nice. Um, so, so are you guys just doing straight sanitizer right now? or Yeah. Nothing else we have made. Uh, I think we've been about three weeks of nothing besides hand sanitizer. We'll probably be another couple months of that. So right. it's been a while since I've I've been out to the distillery since you guys have moved downtown. How many barrels have you increased since that time <laughs> of like the whiskey? Why you got to ask such personal questions, man? <laughs> because I know, man, I'm going deep. <laughs> we, we are at 132 barrels, which is pathetic for a six-year-old distillery. Uh-huh. Um, but once again, our focus has always been on making good whiskey, not a lot of whiskey. True. Um, and also we have now launched 13 other spirits. Um, so it's kind of a, not a background note, but it's one of those things we don't focus on all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's some distillers putting down like 300 barrels a year. And or it's not good. A day. Yeah. yeah. But it's not good. Um, so for us, like we have not done our best. Um, the weird thing about barrels is they multiply very fast, they're very expensive to put down, and they uh, take a while to make money. Mm-hmm. So we are hoping to continue to roll um, the whiskey program back into itself so that we can increase those barrels. Um, and the goal this year was to double it, but um, so far 2020 has not been kind right. to that program. Um, so I don't think we're going to get there. I'm hoping we can put down maybe like 50, um, but... But we do uh, have a bit going, and the coolest part is that we've now hit the five-year point. Our first barrel will actually turn six um, in August, so we're getting close to that. Um, that barrel strength and, to come out. I know, right? I have a couple that, that I'm eyeballing. That one um, that uh, I think it was one of the first batches that you had, and, and you popped it and gave me a little taste of that, and I... <laughs> that black rhino barrel, that thing is like... It's, uh, I might get married to that barrel. <laughs> Good. Yeah, uh, the uh, the brewery, something brewery, you know, they're still waiting for that barrel that you're going to do a... Yeah, fine. Them and everybody else. Yeah. Right. Because we, um, unfortunately, are a little bit narcissistic, so we want to use them for ourselves. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, so we're going to make, actually, I have a whole tank of molasses waiting to make rum. So they'll probably get rum barrels, not bourbon barrels, but... Yeah, Maybe. they they, uh, they have, and I don't necessarily want to say this because it's definitely not meant in a bad way, but they have definitely followed a certain trend of, of the beer industry and like where it's going with like the kind of odd flavor yeah. beers, the, the uh, like fruity pebble cereal yeah. ones. And, when and I the went sour there, it was, like, it was weird. Well, and they're still great, right? They, they, they make yeah. quality product. It's, it's good beer. They, they, uh, they get very creative. It's kind of gone a different route from when you and I were there, Chad, and, and I know that you loved them as well. 
Uh, you said they had one of the the best double IPAs you've ever had. I mean, if I keep making the Hop Galaxy, I'm going to be happy. So. They don't make it anymore. Bitches. They they really they really Walk don't down. they really don't. They make... don't get a barrel anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a barrel sure for a keg. Straight the thing up. is, no, is that they they want to make IPA was so good, dude. It was it so good. It was. Um, they they want to make stuff that people are asking for and it's funky and, beers and that's yeah. that's what people are asking off the for. Left, yeah, off the wall stuff. They still got like the Cookie Monster, like yeah. the Oreo, oatmeal yep. stuff. No, well, bad. the whole industry. I haven't been following it very well, but I'm guessing it's shifted from the whole IPA game. It a hundred percent has. It's all fruity people beers or sours, and fruity and sours, sour, yeah. uh, stouts. Dude, I hate so much. Yeah, me too. I don't I like would them. Be, that was all I had to drink. I'd be sober. <laughs> Facts. What did he say? Which if that's all he had to drink, that he'd be sober. The fruity ones or sours? Or sours. I I don't mind. I I've had I a couple good a, sours, I but I can only have a couple, and then it's like yeah, heartburn. I don't have a palate for like the tart. Like yeah. even when we make cocktails with vinegar, I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I haven't drank beer very much for a while now. I'm kind of a. Uh, there's no point, right? He just gets high on his own supply. Yeah, my own supply. Yeah, I didn't really listen to the guidance I was given by Jay Z and <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, G, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, I am very much into whiskey right now, and mostly gin. Honestly, I'm on a giant gin kick. If you ever need somebody good to drink with, invite Chad. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I won't shut up because I'm weird and I don't talk to people. <laughs> yeah, that's when that's when you get it out. That is, you bottle it in, and now all, you have to go. First of all, let's go back to this because you were saying that uh, I called you weird or whatever. I was strange. I okay. I meant strange as in you don't you don't enjoy talking to people, but you're in a situation where you do a lot and you don't like it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> See, that could have been a different uh, conversation then. <laughs> just throwing rocks. That was a play on words. That was a play on words. No, I'm weird. I'm weird as fuck. <laughs> See, I, and I said self-proclaimed. I, I listen to music the whole time and sit there staring at people maniacally. At least when you're cooking up now, you don't ever like, like you don't have to see people staring through a little glass window. It's yeah. creeping on you. I'm just, I'm just staring at you, watching you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm weird. It's okay. <laughs> you're not. You're weird in a good way, though. Well, I don't know about that. Let's just let's um, start talking politics now. What? Fuck you. <laughs> He's going to blow up? Oh, he will. 100%. Dude, we are so fucked right now. I don't know if you guys all are we're realizing this whole thing. But anyways. That's yeah, why we got a little side talk. hustle of the podcast. Yeah. And I think I think we might already all have this thing. Coronavirus? Because they've just found out. I don't know if you. Yeah. Yesterday or two days ago, I, I heard they just found out that it's uh, aerosolized by talking or breathing. Yeah, yeah. It's real bad. I played Plague Inc. I know, I know these things. I'm a virologist at this point. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we can get back on topic. We don't need to talk about the Rona. Well, we can talk about anything. That's <laughs> yeah. the great, that's the great we, thing about it. Are we getting comfy? Yeah, getting comfy. Yeah, yeah we we getting settled in. <laughs> process. Like, I'll get comfy with you guys. I just. That kind of seems to be the big thing. Like, everybody's always like, oh, yeah, I'm about to get comfy with the comfy boys. <laughs> yeah. Let's <laughs> get on in here, bud. Until <laughs> oh, that one guy no shows up in a robe me. and like boxes. <laughs> Too much. It's like, yo, man, we ain't that comfy. Yeah. <laughs> We're not that comfy yet. 
Pulling out the you GAT. No. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you wear underwear? Yeah. <laughs> you guys uh, are now on this GNT too. Are you guys sipping on something right now? Yeah. I'm got, not talking. I'm not going to say what. Yeah, I got a couple brews a going. White Claw? Mm. A sister of a White Claw, I guess. <laughs> Bud Light Seltzer. in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> It's got a Coors Light. I uh, when I do and I switch to vodka water, I always get the backwards vodka. So we're good. Right, yeah, you got to represent. Because Emily ordered a Grey Goose Martini the other day, and I was like, and you almost Yo. lost your shit, didn't you? <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting right next to you. Like, I know, right? My girlfriend of 12 years, like, she needs to <laughs> taste the competition, make sure it's still trash. <laughs> yeah, I get, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good. Uh, that's a good excuse. For yeah, me. for sure. Sure. So, uh, what future plans? If if everything was normal, what future plans do you have right now with your company? Yeah. So, um, the plan this year was to expand our portfolio into the kind of more strange spirits. So, we were going to do four different absents. Um, we have kind of a I wouldn't call it top secret, but a plan for a low calorie, lower ABV spirit mm-hmm. that we just are calling spirit the white claw um yeah i mean to appeal to that and be better uh we are launching a which this is actually going to happen this year um a dill pickle vodka under the 307 line Uh, and then try it's gonna be it's it's pretty good why why dill pickle so it's a very actually surprisingly versatile spirit with cocktails okay but also as we we're kind of going to dip our toe into the flavored spirit realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to do stuff that's a bit obscure. Still. I gotcha. Um, but actually it has like a lot of potential for either, I mean, shots or cocktail mixers. I mean, Bloody Mary's with it or even martinis with it would be mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Um, so like one of the companies in the state does a jalapeno bacon vodka and Ooh. it's like their best seller. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we wanted to do something that was still, Still flavored, still um, useful, but another ingredient we could put behind the bar, but also help with what we found um, during our whole learning experience, which is what I'd call this whole thing, um, is that bars want to do things, but often don't execute properly, uh-huh. which then turns off consumers. So that's why people just get a beer. True. Um, but like bartenders, they're like into making cocktails and like they kind of want to try new stuff and providing them with something easy um, is kind of what they're looking for. I mean, that's yeah, like something already mixed. Whole, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. This whole obsession with uh, screwball, which I haven't even told you about the second company. Have I yet? Holden? I, no, I don't Piggyback? think so. No, I don't yeah. think so. Oh yeah. Another thing. Um, I'll tell you about that in a second, but um, <laughs> the, uh, the whole like idea of being able to bring, I guess to kind of take a little bit of the budge factor out of, the process of making cocktails so that you know a bar yeah. it's got to be quick mom and pop bar can make something right just a couple quick, ingredients easy, but also still good yeah and still provide something that's interesting but you know good because we made the base spirits and tried really hard to like convince people or like teach people how to do this but it turns out it doesn't quite translate into um them really being able to functionally do it Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we're going to try to take a little bit of the effort away. So that's our first one. And dill pickle just was, uh, one of the things that people were asking for. Um, there's a dill pickle moonshine that people are liking, um, no, but we that. thought it would be a, 
a cool one. Well, so especially because like Bloody Marys are huge. Yeah. What about? Have you guys put any thought into doing your own Bloody Mary mix? Because I remember we were down in Breckenridge and I had called you and I was like, yeah. hey, I'm at that Breckenridge distillery. And you're like, oh, mm. yeah, I know them. Like, tell yeah. them I said what's up. And we bought a, a bottle of their Bloody Mary mix and it was delicious. So, And I know you guys make yeah. your own at the, at the uh, tasting room. Yes. Um, so we haven't done it yet because it's a whole nother licensing issue um but we're tackling that because basically you have to manufacture that kind of stuff in an fda Mm -hmm. approved like alcohol is uh operated under the ttb um trade and tax bureau and stuff like food and that kind of stuff is fda so it's a whole different thing of reporting and all that kind of stuff so we haven't really wanted to fight the bullet on that but yeah. the coolest thing about owning a company is what seems very hard at first you learn and then become very it becomes very easy so you can just continue to pile on another shit burger that you have to munch down on um, <laughs> over and over and over again yeah uh, so that's uh, kind of where we're at with that is wanting to dabble into doing uh, mixers so like amber has an idea for like a bunch of syrups so making it once again easier for the bartender at home or even the uh, in the bar uh, bars themselves right. to be able to not have to make their own rosemary syrup or anything like that. Well, like and eventually we, I'd actually like to get a cold pressed juicer so we could do fresh juice for people in town. Yeah. Um, well, like when we go to the, the tasting room and some, some of your drinks, um, you know, there's a lot of ingredients, fresh ingredients, and mm-hmm. yep. they take a little time to, to right. make, but you go there for that. That's kind of the feel. You get yep. to see the cocktail make that, you know, experience. Every, yeah, yeah, the whole it, experience. it is, it is an experience, but in a bar setting, you know, you have Just all these people who are drink. waiting for yeah. drinks. Um, let's say gaslight, for instance, you know, nobody wants to sit there and, and order a drink that's going to take 10 minutes to make. Yeah. Well, and the bartenders too. I mean, they're so busy that they really don't want to make that drink. Either. Yeah, right. So um, it makes so it like easier. at Gaslight, we do have um, draft cocktails. That's kind of been our thing with them. So they just can pour it from the tap. Wait, you have um, that there? Because I didn't know that. Yeah, me either. Oh, you didn't know that? I thought you were a friend. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you've been letting me down. What? No, that, I'm surprised. Like that, you have draft cocktails at Gaslight Social. I mean, yeah, but you just order Bud Light because I don't drink. I don't know. Listen here. <laughs> no, I, I was drinking Mick Ultras, and now I've I've downgraded oh to, to the Bud Light seltzers. Right. Getting healthy now. The thing is, though, is if you guys make the seltzers, I, I'll buy yours, hundred percent. Well, we can uh, if you want to dabble into that conversation now. We can put on blast my other company that we're doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a glutton for punishment. Damn, <laughs> for punishment, gunshot. Yeah. Um, so uh, we, Amber, it's the whole family again, but Amber and I have been kind of spearheading this effort to launch a second company. Um, we submitted to the Wyoming Business Council Startup Challenge. Um, we got a grant from them, basically. So we, uh, quote unquote, won. We took second place, so I won't call that a win, but um, we still got... Uh, first two last. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and everybody's like, why are you so mad? I'm like, because I didn't win. Like, right. yeah. Took second, that's great. I'm like, you no, know, it's not. I'd rather lose completely <laughs> yeah. and be a failure. Shake um, and bake, baby. I keep telling Serge, anything that's worth putting time and money into is worth going 120% yeah. on. Yeah. 
and sometimes yeah. Serge yeah. wants to put pump the brakes, and I'm yeah. like, fuck that, man. So I get where you're well, coming from. Yeah, I don't know. I I might also give guidance to pump the brakes and think about things a little bit before you do them. Yeah. Sometimes you bite off a little bit more than you can chew. Um, but uh, piggyback cocktail company is what it's called. Um, and we are going to be canning cocktails for, um, we are, it's structured like a business to business, not a business consumer. Uh We're going to actually be contracting, um, canning and stuff like that. So people right now could like call us. Um, we're working right now with, uh, scientists, weird, uh, crazy. You are a Um, fucking scientist. Figure out and don't bullshit. Um, <laughs> Dude, you were just talking about <laughs> copper and reactions to alcohol. To <laughs> copper. <laughs> you're you're uh, almost there. Well, I don't know anything about uh, the science of citric acid in a uh, aluminum can. So right, um, yeah, but you'll get there. Trying, you're close. Yeah, man. I don't know if I want to get there. That's too much to put in my head. I already have a lot going on up there. I don't need it. To, yeah, yeah, but you you've always um, been like a sponge for knowledge, though. I know it's annoying, <laughs> especially like unrelated or unimportant. Knowledge. Yeah, it's like, it's not even your fault. You just kind of you know you talk about something once and it's in your mind. Yep. So. Unless I need to know it or remember it, then I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyways, we're we're basically gonna set up like a couple multiple tier manufacturing kind of system to be able to contract can people's ready to drink cocktails. Yeah. So your white claws and blah, 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 blah. The people are wanting to do so the seltzers. So like our first um, client is going to be backwards. Of course, yeah. um, we are going to can our own stuff first. Um, so that's going to be a bit of our like trial by fire. Yeah. Um, so we're going to can freak show. Nice. Which is a jalapeno pineapple cocktail. Um, and cannon jam, which is uh, lemon lemonade, uh, raspberry, jam and moonshine that is actually um, one of my favorite drinks that you guys make so it's to be in a can nice so. mine's big top yeah big top will probably be in there as well um we're gonna kind of hit our main staples um but yeah. the big focus is gonna be getting a few of our own things out but then finding clients um i really really am like infatuated by the idea of a b2b company because um it's much less interaction you only have to get a few clients and then be like really awesome to those few clients mm-hmm. as opposed to b2c right now with where we have to like kind of cast a wide net um so that was supposed to be happening uh and we were supposed to launch our first because we just got our our other seed funding from uh our second round of investment uh in february so what is it like 2035 now i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah um so we're supposed to be launching our first camp cocktail in july but i don't know if that's going to happen now so sometime this year we're going to try to get some stuff out for the summer Um, and hopefully so people when they emerge from their dens they can enjoy like a cocktail or some dill pickle vodka well it's getting Um, to that nice weather time too and i was just talking about it today i was like dude we should do a podcast outside at some point yeah you know if it's not windy and weather weather permitting yeah, and I mean, I love social distancing, but I feel bad for everybody else that doesn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be me. Uh, yeah, I know, yeah, it's rough. Yeah. No, I'm sure you guys are going crazy, and I'm like, this is freaking amazing. <laughs> Nothing's changed. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so piggyback that should be coming out soon. I'm excited for the apparel because it's all going to be pink, nice. and uh, yeah, pretty cool. Um, but it was it was actually great. We uh, I'll give a shout out to the um, business council, uh, the business incubator in town, doing awesome things for small businesses, um, and also Hinge. Uh, they designed our logo um, and did quite an amazing job getting our presentation ready, which. Um, that was fun. Investing pitching is like the most horrible thing I can imagine <laughs> yeah. putting anybody through. Probably, yeah. yeah, even hey, worse shark. for you. Yeah, Shark yeah. Tank. Shark Tank. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Serge and I need to get to I'll work get on it. some merch at some point. Yeah, we we'll get there. And and yeah. speaking of merchandise, I'm I'm seeing Dan Kolb and Trent Reynolds, you know, walking around with these fucking backwards hats and I don't have one. Yeah. Well, well I don't go out. They came here. <laughs> but don't come here nobody can come here right? yeah. just yeah. leave it on the curb we'll pick it up <laughs> I, can, I can hook you guys up with a couple hats word um they're pretty pretty damn awesome i like it more than one right now so what's your uh what, what's your go-to drink i know you like gin i know you like uh what the i can't even think of it now i don't know why I don't know. Absinthe? Absinthe. Yeah, I was like, what? Yeah. I have that was a brain fart. Dude, honestly, if I if I could pick like one, like if I'm just chilling, it'd be whiskey. Bourbon on the rocks. Yeah. I, I I've, I've gotten out right of that. I'm hitting Eagle Rare like crazy. I actually have um and I'm thinking I gotta give I drank half of it and I gotta give the other half to my dad. My dad's uh in Arizona. He can't wait to come back and <laughs> Yeah, he's he's been waiting for he's that. He's been waiting for that Franken bourbon uh yeah. bottle. Yeah, and I still have some, so uh, I probably shouldn't have announced that on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, dude, people are gonna try and fucking break into my house. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. I love that stuff. I'm so excited. It's already like, I mean, if you think about it, we're already like halfway to the next one. Dude, the the bottling, dude, and that, that was, you guys I did was say, genius like, on that. I don't want to uh, pat my own back very often. Most of the time, I do. Yeah, but that was like an effort to get that thing done. Like that process started in July. Uh huh. And I was on the phone with suppliers and like moving that, like it was ridiculous. The complexity of that package. Yeah. Um, the other ones were hard, but this one was like, there were so many aspects to it. And like nobody in their right mind does a minimum order quantity of 650 bottles. Yeah. But I found somebody that does. And they were so excited about rebranding that they, uh, um, did it for us and they wanted to be a part of it so yeah well i was even lucky i was lucky to get my bottle um your sister kind of hooked me up with that one and and kind of cut some lady off who wasn't being very uh communicative (laughs) and uh she was like well if uh if she doesn't contact me within the time that you're here i'll sell the bottle to you but this is the last one virtually you guys had the last bottles of it yeah no, it was it was crazy, and like I think people liked it. I don't know, but it was its own thing for sure. And I love the merchandise for that. I think next year we're gonna go like pretty hard. Um, because oh yeah, I think you guys cool you guys killed it with that with the bottling and and the design of all and that. Also, if I have to give anybody advice on um, business, it's have one brand. Don't mm. make four. Yeah, which we've made Streamline. four. Streamline, yeah, five almost. Because it's every single one of them requires their own exact amount of effort, mm-hmm. and they suck. So focus on one, because it, it's going to take enough of your. Where are you guys effort. going with the uh, the three hundred seven brand? 
Uh, I know that you had said that brand is the flavored vodka. Wyoming. Yep, 307 is going to be flavored vodka. I don't know what else from there much. We might do a liqueur, like a choke cherry okay. or something in there. So it's going to be very focused on Wyoming. Um, we're really hoping to do more with like Yellowstone and stuff like that. So kind of do things that are conducive to the state and hopefully supportive to tourism. Right. Um, milk can is kind of just doing its thing. I, um, I think the bottling on that too, and and maybe you could go into a quick story and, and drop it for what your guys' uh, thing was for the milk can design and, and kind of the, the history yeah. of that. Um, so milk can moonshine, we weren't going to make moonshine as a company because moonshine is an illegal spirit. So we're making it legally and paying taxes. So it's not technically moonshine, mm-hmm. um, but we wanted to make something very authentic prohibition style because we found it's really cool documentary about prohibition that mentioned Wyoming and my whole life I thought or uh, moonshine was like Appalachian region but actually like Wyoming was making industrial amounts of moonshine during prohibition because there was really no oversight and all the oversight was also corrupt and the uh, state was very uh, barren Uh, so one of the most Famous moonshines was called Kemmer Gold. That came from Kemmer, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually had one of the biggest busts during Prohibition where they dumped 25,000 gallons of moonshine down the streets Dang. of Kemmer, Wyoming, and like flooded the town, basically. Um, <laughs> Let's so all get fucked cool. up. Yeah, bring your straws. <laughs> People were just, I guess, like full on buckets out of the gutters getting the moonshine. Um, one guy said his father, under their house, because the floorboards were leaking moonshine, collected enough to buy a Model T. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of moonshine that they dumped. Um, and uh, we found this cool story about a guy in Edgerton that used to uh, run moonshine in a dairy wagon. Um, oh, okay. Or dairy truck, I guess, at that point. Uh, I don't know. Um, so uh, we called it Milk Can because he used to start in milk cans and then ladle it out. Nice. Um, so we called it Milk Can Moonshine. We made like an old school milk bottle. Um, it was our only venture into custom glass, which also now has evolved around us. But we had to source these things. As a company in Colorado, I think the, the factory was in China. Um, but you had to order 100,000 bottles. Uh, so we have a bunch of moonshine bottles. So if anybody wants to buy moonshine, it's delicious. Buy right. it. We have a bunch. Forever. Um, but what they didn't tell us was that um, by doing custom glass, you then put yourself out of the normal tolerances for closures. So your cork doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to, I spent five years actually, um, five years in seven companies working on getting our corks figured out. Yeah, your corks uh, were leaking, weren't they? They were leaking because cork naturally isn't like perfectly sealed. Right. Yeah. But normally they're compressed enough, but the, the width of the bottle was 55 milliliters or millimeters. Um, it was, it was very wide. So it was a big piece of cork. Um, so we found a company in Portugal that was manufacturing the, the cork closures for us, but they were $2 and 30 cents a piece and still kind of leaking every once in a while. They're pretty, but um, mm-hmm. not perfect. And then they basically told us also, which we've had this now twice this year, that they were just going to stop because it was too much. Like it was, was too expensive for them to do it. Um, so I worked with another company out of uh, Mexico. Um, I think it's, it might be 
Spain. Yeah. Did they um, speak English? But anyways, they, they made a uh, synthetic cork for us. So oh, they had to okay. actually build a new piece of machinery to do it. How do you communicate like with people new, for yeah. these companies where they, they get, I'm sure they have a, like an interpreters and they have stuff like that. Yeah. They, yeah. they usually have a U.S. Um, representative office. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. So, but that's my job actually. Mostly. I mean, I'm a distiller, but actually I, I do supply chain management mostly uh-huh. so it's <laughs> packaging, all that kind of stuff. And we just had our label printer for the backwards labels. Just tell us that they're not going to do it anymore. Are you so guys going to buy a printing machine? No, no, those, we have a printer right now for some labels, but those are very complicated, but I have people that are going to do it now. Yeah. Well, it's there's always fun. somebody. The coolest part about having very cool packaging is that people want to have that in their portfolio. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I actually had a little bit of leverage this time and had a couple companies come through for us. So, so what, other, yeah. what other companies do you have? Like 307, you have the piggyback, you have milk can. Obviously, backwards. Milk can is backwards. Yeah. yeah, okay. Anything else? Yeah, those are all. Okay. Uh, that's it. Right now, hopefully, Franken Bourbon, I guess, could be its own thing. It might be its own offshoot. We'll see. I don't know what that's going to turn into. It had good response, and I love the packaging, so What's we the, might make uh, it bigger. Okay, so you got the, the DC, the DC um, villain, or not villains. So we're like, uh, you had, they came out with, the Mummy with Tom Cruise, <laughs> and then there was another movie that uh, the Frankenstein movie. I think they were trying to come up with uh, the whole Universal Dark, whatever. That's what it was. It was like the Universal Dark. They canceled it because the movies weren't very good. But yeah, I don't know. What you're talking so you would about. do like, well, I, I don't know what you're talking. About. <laughs> I'm yeah, I was like, what? I'm a movie nerd. <laughs> I was like, what? Where is so this the going? mummy with Tom Cruise? They yeah. have the mummy, um, the Invisible Man, Sucked. the uh, Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, but they were co- they were trying to come out to like conjoin all of these movies together. Um, Just like what? the the, yeah. the anti the anti Marvel. Look it up. Universal uh. Dark something. He's gonna look it up on the computer so I don't sound like such an asshole. Dark Universe. Dark Universe. Classic Universal well, classic mo- monsters, the Dark Universe. Um, so Dracula, Frankenstein, the Mummy, Invisible oh, word, Man, word. Bride of Frankenstein, Man. Werewolf. Um, but yeah, so they were trying to do it like it would have been, you know, the Marvel Universe and DC Universe, and then um, they would eventually like tell the backstories and then bring all of those people together in one movie. Um, and they canceled it, but I see that as being like maybe your your line of Franken bourbon. You do like the Mummy next or Dracula. Oh, I see where you're going now. Yeah, movie monsters. Yeah. Yep. Well, so if Classic you movie monsters. if you have the backstory of Franken bourbon as well, um, we made a bunch of experimental whiskey. So we made 25 different bourbon recipes. Uh-huh. So different grains, different yeasts, different distillation techniques. Um, and every time we would fill a barrel, we'd get like three more gallons than would fit. And so we didn't know what to do with it. So we would just collect it until we had enough of those three gallons or five gallons or whatever it was to fill an entire other barrel. Mm-hmm. And oh. we just deemed it Frankenbourbon because it was the parts and pieces of all these experiments. That's yeah. cool. So the um, next one would be Bride of Frankenbourbon. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, no, we, we actually have a plan for that. Or the um, sign. So, <laughs> so. The, yeah, yeah. 
So anyways, the Franken bourbons, they're always a experiment of experiments, all aged together that um, cannot be reproduced. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. never taste the same. Ten different bourbons. That's the Next thing. One Once seven. this Franken bourbon's gone, it's gone. Yeah. Last one. We'll have another one this year, but it's going to be different. Totally yeah. different. Um, so oh, anyway, Bride guys, of Franken I got the original. <laughs> is going to be what they call the Queen Shares Rum. Oh, nice. So this is a historic uh, spirit as well, but basically back during colonial uh, or imperial times, I guess is what I'd say, um, when rum manufacturing was going on, what they do is they take all the ends of rum production uh, through the year, and then they do, before cleaning, one run of all the ends, which then gives you this super, super rich, concentrated flavor rum. You don't get much of it, but it's called the queen share because that would only go back to royal families um, as a spirit. So Bride of Franken Bourbon or Frankenstein, whatever we're going to call it. <laughs> yeah. queen share run. Son of, well, you got to have the bride before you can have the son. That's right? true. So the Bride of Franken Bourbon right. and then the son of Franken Bourbon. And the dad and the uncle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the grandpa. Yeah. It's <laughs> the gramps. Um, Stepsister. I will say the one thing I miss the most, uh, and I feel like you already know this, Chad, because I, I complain about it all the time, Huckleberry Moonshine. Dude, that was such a – everybody, like, idolizes that shit. He's <laughs> like, it was trash. No, it was good. It was no, not that good, man. I, it was fucking delicious, and you mix it, it with good, that. It was good, but, like – What God, was the lemonade? That, like, something card or So whatever. here's the thing. Here's what pisses me off, everybody, is that took us so long to sell – and now everybody's like freaking out about it. They like, want it back. We could have bought it back in the day, but one of the reasons we didn't remake it was that it took forever to sell. Yeah. So like, but that was, that was, you guys sorry. came out with a really good product really quickly. And then it ended up being a did, lot of work. Man. No, what happened was, um, so lemon pulp, because we use all real ingredients. Yeah. Lemon pulp um, can't be filtered very well because there's something called pectin in it. And mm. it uh, makes it to where it's very difficult to strain everything out. Yeah, quite um, So first of all, you, yeah, you have to have a very specific filtration system for it. Um, but we lost so much alcohol on that in pulp that we lost money on the project. So yeah. That's why we stopped it. was it. so good. And also huckleberries are a pain in the ass to juice. And, so I don't know why Bro, everybody... just put it in a giant thing wood thing like they do for the wine and just... Step on him. <laughs> yeah. Step on him. Yeah. That's actually just holding. It. Yeah. Just have him. That's just going <laughs> to be his uh, after hours job. Chad's feet. Yeah. <laughs> after a long this day, it's still funky. Oh, yeah. That's my feet. Dude, I, I actually, I really liked it. I thought it was, it was very good. It was good. But it was such a pain in the ass. And also, like, it was shocking that nobody gave a shit about that product until it was gone. Yeah. And everybody, like, freaked out. Yeah. Yeah, nobody like bought it while it was available. And I bought it. I bought the shit out of it. I know you did. I used to take it camping. I was like making drinks when I would be <laughs> camping. Stuff was good. Oh man! And you know, it's not that hard to make something that tastes just the same with the straight moonshine, huckleberry jam, and lemonade. Actually, tastes better. Um. So yeah, the huckleberry. Buy jam. yourself some huckleberry jam. Um, Amazon.com is a new thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, well, if they ever come out, like if the you know when this thing kind of settles down, and then they do like the farmers market. Do we have a farmers market here? Yeah, 
Yep. During the summer, like every Tuesday, I think. And the, is that downtown? Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. And they need to have like the honey, the people yeah, that yeah. do the honey here. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to the <laughs> farmer's market. Free plug. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what what are you trying to distill today, Chad? What's the plan there? Hand sanitizer. Yeah. We're about done with it, luckily. Um, You're going to start coming out with like, some smelly good hour. ones? No, because we can't add anything to it and still have it be FDA approved. Oh, that's right. So it only has the three ingredients. It doesn't smell like anything besides booze. So, unfortunately, and we're not doing any. When I was in there. Albertsons, I used, uh, they had, we went to Albertsons today and I, I used their hand sanitizer. I'm like, I wonder if this is backwards. Because it wasn't like labeled or anything. What do you guys, how do you guys label it? Is it just in a squirt bottle? We don't yet. I'm We're sure sending it's out jugs. in 55-gallon drums. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it was it's in an unlabeled um, jug. Wyoming, yeah. like going to the Wyoming like, Emergency Medical Services, like central location. Actually, I think everything right now goes to the Mills Police Department. Also, shout out to the first responders. They are kicking ass right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mills PD takes the bulk and then they repackage it and then distribute it, it. Um, to the, I believe, Wyoming um, Emergency Medical Services. And then that just is, at that point, I mean, it's just getting percolated out. But right. we really have no control of it, of it besides making it. Right, so, you just manufacture Unfortunately, and we're trying, 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 because I would really love, we've been getting, uh, I'm about to literally smash the phone with my fist because it's been ringing like nonstop and it sucks because every single phone call is somebody asking for hand sanitizer and I have to tell them no because we don't have it. Like we're sending it all to this other place. So we're hoping that as a company we can get this figured out and get enough hand sanitizer that we can help our people that we care about. Yeah. Yeah. And and our community and stuff. And I mean, we are, it's just indirectly, but like when somebody calls me, I'd like to be like, yeah, we got you. Right. But we wow. can't. So we're working on it. Probably um, a bad time to ask then, but my mom told me to ask you. <laughs> She's like, yeah, we'll no, pay for it. Answer, no, it's yeah. Yeah. He's like, no. yeah, stay on the line after. Uh, we I can make give a you deal. the phone number for EMS. Uh, well, see, and I think Wyoming. a lot of it's linked. It, it's linked to my stepdad, you know, because he's a doctor and um, he obviously can't doctor people if he gets sick. So I think yeah. that's mostly why they... It, you know he's he's a germ freak anyway so dude i i wish i could and hopefully like this week what we're trying to get an entire tanker truck of bulk al- alcohol because mm-hmm. we can only make so much like we're right. trying we're at basically full capacity right now um and we're not being able to keep up Dang. um and that's without selling it or giving it to the community at uh. all i mean we're giving it to the community but it's mostly going to first responders um, so we're hoping if we get this tanker truck, um, that we'll be able to catch up and yeah. actually make enough so that everybody can have some. Because mm-hmm. I like hand sanitizer, not. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's kind of frustrating right now because, and also watching, there's another distillery in the state that's selling theirs because they weren't part of our little coalition we put together no it turns out my family has like a moral compass of some sort weird. <laughs> yeah um and i don't think that this is the time to be like making money right. uh 
but the yeah, and then another one sending them all to Colorado. Um, so we are hoping that we can catch up and actually just uh, provide enough so that people can at least get some. Right. Like, I don't know how much we will give, but like people should be able to get a little bit because we it's weird sending out just fifty five gallon drums of hand sanitizer and then having a phone call being like, no, sorry. Can't get you a squirt bottle. Yeah, well, right. I've even heard of stories of like people walking. They're having to like watch their their hand sanitizers at the store that they yeah. have set up for people because people are stealing yeah. them. Oh, really? Yeah. Stealing it. Yeah. Well, yeah. we hopefully we as of today have ordered a bunch of bottles for small production, like little two hundred milliliter bottles that we can hopefully that you can attach like a wire to out. with like a. A yeah. bolt. Hopefully, it's the next <laughs> week or so. Yeah. <laughs> so people can't see. I got my shotgun ready. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> These are booby trapped. Don't pick it up. Yeah. No, that's uh, what's going on here. Well, shoot, man. Uh, do you know how long we've been going? Can you guess without looking at your phone? The what? Can you guess how long we've been podcasting without looking at 17 minutes. <laughs> you fucking look. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> counting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, if you have anything else you want to add or whatever, we can close out and let you get back to helping the community. I don't really have anything else. I'm, I'm, I mean, I could talk for another three hours if you want me to, but yeah. I don't. Uh, well, we'll have you on again. I we'll hope, get yeah, updates, I hope the listeners sure. understand now that I'm not weird. <laughs> I never said weird. I'm not quiet. I'm I never not said weird. Right. I never I'm said weird. I only talk in certain circumstances, but that's right. not a bad thing. Nice. Well, uh, promote your company one more time. Um, so Backwards Distilling Company, um, we are located in Mills, Wyoming. Um, tasting Room is downtown Casper, Wyoming. We are highly focused on supporting local um, community, agriculture, and culture. Um, we are trying our best to diversify the economy of Wyoming. And any support people get, you get to have fun while you do it, drink some booze, um, but buying local spirits makes a trickle-down effect all the way to the farmers of the state. Um, so please buy local spirits. Um, 307 Vodka, Milk Can Moonshine, Backwards Distilling Company, and then coming soon, Piggyback Cocktail Company. Nice. Yeah, I can't wait for it. Yeah, for sure. Right, so, uh, Chad, when we when we end this, go ahead and not hang up. Yeah. So we're so we can get that uh, backlink to the hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. That's Chad Pollock, Backwards Distilling. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's fun.